0: Hey friends, this is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 75 of the PopeCast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter and a reminder that all the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. Before we get into the episode for this week, I'd like to invite new and existing listeners to join us on Patreon, if you're a fan of the show. It, of course, helps uh, to make sure we can continue to produce the show, cover our costs, but one of the things we've done from the very beginning is release these episodes early for all patrons, Plus, we'll always, as we did last week, include a not insignificant chunk of bonus audio only for patrons whenever we have guest interviews, not to mention PopeCast stickers, mugs, and t-shirts, depending on your Patreon tier. So, if you've been meaning to take a closer look, or you're brand new and would like to join the community, head on over to patreon.com slash the Our Pope this week was a pontiff in exile, who everyone thought would be near death, but he ended up sticking around for 10 years and set about cleaning up the clerical riffraff, leaving us with one of the greatest hymns ever written and hiring a blood hand to prowl around Italy to gain back what was rightfully Peter's. This week on the PopeCast, it's the Pope who hired a warrior cardinal. Number 199, Pope Innocent VI. Etienne Aubert was born around the year 1282 in the central French village of Le Mans and was relatively obscure as far as life and service to the Catholic Church went until much later in life. History is somewhat silent on his early life, other than his being a successful and renowned jurist and professor of civil law at Toulouse in the south of France. Being what we might call a late vocation nowadays, after being ordained a priest sometime in the 1330s, Etienne was named the Bishop first of Noyon in 1338, and then Clermont in 1340. He was elevated to the rank of Cardinal two years after that in 1342, and was then named both Cardinal Bishop of Ostia, one of the most influential positions in the church, and the Grand Penitentiary in early 1352, the latter being the role overseeing the church tribunal specifically responsible for granting absolutions of things like excommunication and special sins, along with the granting of indulgences. He wouldn't be in those last two jobs for long, though. Barely ten months passed before he was unanimously elected as the 198th successor of St. Peter, on December 18, 1352. Twenty-five cardinals participated in that conclave, and their choice was Aubert after briefly considering a non-cardinal, Father Jean Borel, the superior general of the Carthusians, an order of cloistered contemplative monks who live life in as much silence as possible. Borel, despite being renowned for his holiness, was ultimately ruled out, when one cardinal noted that the last thing the church needed at that point was another Celestine V. Who, you'll remember, was the last pope to freely abdicate the chair of St. Peter before Benedict XVI, did eight years ago, Celestine having done so just 60 years earlier than the 1352 conclave after realizing he was woefully ill-equipped for the job. At any rate, the 70-year-old Cardinal Lebert styled himself Pope Innocent VI and became the fifth pope of the quote-unquote Avignon Papacy, the 70-year period in the 14th century, where popes lived not in Rome, but in the French city of Avignon, and were largely under the influence of the French crown during that time. He was officially consecrated as the new pope a couple of weeks later on New Year's Eve Eve, December 30th, and his very first act as pope stemmed from some funny conclave business that he'd been coerced into agreeing to. The Catholic Encyclopedia describes the scene, The conclave which elected him to the papacy is remarkable for the fact that the first certain election capitulation was framed by the cardinal's present each of whom bound himself to divide, in case of their election, his power and revenues with the College of Cardinals. So basically, the Cards wanted to secure a bigger piece of the action if they didn't get the shiny white cassock, and made everyone pinky swear before voting that the winner would split all papal privileges among the red hats, effectively saying that the College of Cardinals possessed more power than the Pope himself. So not only did Innocent VI declare the pact null and void, It was a a breaking of Church Law 101, after all. But the apparent greed seemed to inspire one of the hallmarks of his papacy that being tidying up the hangers on and papal groupies who were constantly lurking about Avignon instead of doing their real job back home, and more broadly restoring discipline and austerity to his office and those of his brother bishops. It had become far too common, as so often occurred every few centuries in the Catholic Church, for such behavior to run rampant. So Innocent kicked absentee bishops, those who lived someplace else than the place they're supposed to be bishop of, kicked them out of the city under pain of excommunication, removed much of the trappings of luxurious living from the papal court, and forced the cardinals to follow suit. It may have been out of some necessity, too. As it turned out, Pope Clement VI, Innocent's immediate predecessor, had quite nearly bankrupted the court, so it's said that Innocent had to sell off many fancy jewels and art pieces just to cover the budget in those early years. Now, one of Innocent's very next moves, being keenly aware that the Pope's real home was not in France, but in Rome, was to equip a warrior cardinal. Yes, you heard me right, a warrior cardinal to set the stage for the papacy's eventual move back to the Eternal City. The man was a Spaniard who hailed from Toledo, Gil Alvarez Carillo de Albanas, normally called simply Gil de Albanas. H.W. Crocker III recounts the saga well in his book Triumph, writing, quote, Gil de Albernaz was a blue blood related to the royal houses of Aragon and León. He believed in chivalry and condemned those such as the Spanish king Pedro the Cruel, who failed the test. Innocent the Sixth commissioned the fighting cardinal to regain the papal states as the first step in making Rome safe for the papacy. The pope's commander quickly proved himself a flesh-and-blood medieval version of the 20th century high-tech machine gun known as the Street Sweeper. By the end of 1354, the fighting cardinal had regained the papal territories surrounding Rome. By the end of 1356, virtually every other papal territorial claim had been made good. And the following year, Gil de Albernaz bequeathed the papal states their governing constitutions, which ensured their freedom under the Pope into the 19th century. So successful were Albernaz's conquests that the papacy would return temporarily to Rome, by that point still a barren husk of the great beacon that it had once been. Just five years after Innocent's 1362 death, with the reign of Urban V, and it would return permanently a decade hence. A few years into his papacy, Innocent VI flexed his diplomatic muscles and approved of the coronation of the German king Charles IV as Holy Roman Emperor. Charles promised, as a condition, to leave Rome the day after his coronation, and the pair were able to work out a peaceful existence from then on, despite Charles snubbing the papacy a year later with his famous Golden Bull that outlined the rules for electing new emperors without the approval of the pope. And interestingly enough, as an aside, given our guest from the last episode, Ambassador Edward Habsburg, that same decree of Charles IV's also thumbed its nose at the House of Habsburg, not giving them a vote as Prince Electors of the Holy Roman Emperor, and freezing them out until the Habsburgs would take over the Kingdom of Bohemia, 200 years after its release. But I digress. Speaking of diplomacy, elsewhere in Europe at that time, of course, was the Hundred Years' War between France and England, which would eventually... As some may recall, claimed the life of none other than Saint Joan of Arc after her capture by the Brits. But the war had been raging for nearly 20 years by the time of Innocent VI's election to the papacy, and he had already twice before attempted to negotiate peace between the warring countries as part of a papal delegation while still a cardinal. The third time turned out to be the charm, though, because the first significant period of peace in the war, which began with the Treaty of Brittany in 1360 and lasted nearly 10 years, was apparently in large part due to Innocent's intervention. However, his efforts to effect something similar between the kingdoms of Castile and Aragon in Western Europe were unsuccessful, as was his attempt to heal the schism with the Orthodox Church to the East through a planned crusade that would never materialize. Can't win them all, I guess. Amidst all the political turmoil and restoring of disciplines, Innocent made several additional contributions to the life of the Church, perhaps a little further from the public eye, but no less significant. He was a great patron of the still-new mendicant religious orders, the Dominicans and Franciscans in particular, although he did get a bit of hot water with a soon-to-be-great saint over his treatment of the Fraticelli, a branch of the Franciscans who adhered particularly severely to the original rule of St. Francis. For those efforts, St. Bridget of Sweden, now the patroness of Sweden and one of the patrons of all of Europe, went so far as to call Innocent a persecutor of Christians. Yikes. Thankfully, though, his record other than that is strikingly clean. He was well-respected, carried a strong reputation for dishing justice and mercy out equally, and was otherwise a man of high character. Last of all, and perhaps my personal favorite of Innocent's accomplishments, is his commonly attributed authorship of one of the great hymns of Western civilization, and one set to music most famously later by Mozart himself. The hymn I'm referring to is Ave Verum Corpus, which was reportedly often sung at the elevation of the Eucharist, during Mass in the Middle Ages, and also during benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. The lyrics, a reflection on the Catholic belief of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist, are what we'll close out this episode with, and you'll hear the Mozart arrangement in the background as we exit. The hymn goes, Hail, true body, born of the Virgin Mary, Having truly suffered, sacrificed, on the cross for mankind, From whose pierced side water and blood flowed, Be for us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet, in the trial of death. O oh, sweet Jesus, O oh, holy Jesus, O oh, Jesus, Son of Mary, have mercy on me. Amen. Pope Innocent VI died on September 12, 1362, at the age of 80. He was buried in his homeland, and his tomb can still be found today in the Carthusian monastery he founded nearly 700 years ago, the monastery of Notre Dame du Val de Benediction near Avignon. Well, that's all for this story of the Pope who hired a warrior cardinal. We really hope you enjoyed it, especially if you're a new listener. Also, thank you again to all of our patrons, especially those brand new in the past couple of weeks. Without you guys, we could do none of this. If you'd like to support the Popecast too, again, visit patreon.com slash the And again, if you uh, would like to leave us a, a rating and a review over at iTunes, we always appreciate that. It helps to make sure more people can find and listen to the show as well. And if nothing else, if you're an, an Android user or you'd just rather uh, do so instead, uh, please uh, share it with a friend who you also think might like the show. But as we head out today, Let us pray for the soul of Pope Innocent VI. And remember, these are strange times we live in, but no stranger than in ages past. Until next time.